0: Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Assiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today's episode number 446, Growing Black Rifle Coffee with Evan Hafer.
1: I spent about $1,800 um, just buying bags and a few other things initially and uh, built my own website and started trying to sell coffee online. So I, I basically started Black Rifle from passions that I had previous, but ultimately to test the market.
0: Well, today's episode originally aired back in August of 2017. At the time, I was talking to Evan about his incredible growth from 1.8 thousand to $20 million in two and a half years for his company, Black Rifle Coffee. Little would I know that that company would go on to IPO this year for 1.7 billion dollars, the price-to-earning ratio was an unheard of 100. They they did the IPO to hire over 10,000 U.S. military veterans, and their stock jumped 43% in the company's first day of training. So this is a story of going back to the origins of Evan when uh, Black Rifle Coffee was just in its second year and. You know, I and probably no one else could have ever expected where Evan would take things, but I knew, you know, just at the time and talking to him that he was on to something and was a really savvy and smart entrepreneur. As always, at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find show notes with links to everything we discuss, as well as 445 episodes just like this one. With that, let's dive into my conversation with Evan.
2: Joining me today in Salt Lake City, Utah, is Evan Hafer. Evan, welcome to Beyond the Uniform.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, Happy to be here.
2: So for listeners, I wanted to give a quick background on Evan. He is the founder and CEO of Black Rifle Coffee, which is a small batch coffee roasting company. He started out at the University of Idaho, after which he spent 14 years in the US Army as an infantryman, a Special Forces soldier, and a CIA contractor. Um, So maybe Evan, just to kick things off, anything to add or amend to that intro?
1: Yeah, I mean it's uh I actually had about 20 years of government service. So I joined the National Guard in 95 uh while I was in college and then um and then I finished my kind of finished my career still in the National Guard in uh 2015. So I I spent 20 years either on active duty or in the reserves. And I spent 9 years <clears throat> with the uh with the agency as a
2: contractor. So um,
1: I, I spend a lot of time with with the government, just in general.
2: That's awesome. Well, you know, one of the things I always like to to ask as a starting point is, um, you know, how did you make the decision when you when you first left the uh, the military or government service and decided to become a, a civilian? How did you approach that decision?
1: Uh... You know, I had been thinking about it for at least two years prior. I was ready to make the transition. I'd actually uh, went in and had another business uh, up in Idaho, uh, whitewater rafting, fly fishing, basically an expedition-style company. And I was planning on uh, getting out and then going back to, like, going to grad school or something like that. And uh, I really was just burnt out with, uh, back and forth to Afghanistan and Iraq. I was coming up on 20 years of service and just kind of looking for something else other than uh, carrying, you know, carrying a carbine and a combat
2: zone basically. That's awesome. And, and, um, you know, it sounds like you had thought of doing the whitewater rafting and this expedition business um, once you got out. What what was your first job search like once you left the army?
1: I didn't really have one. <laughs> uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I knew that I was going to start my own business. Um, I knew that I because I, I had had a couple other businesses. I'd been roasting coffee for ten years, roughly uh, back at few. Iraq. Um, I had so I knew that I was transitioning out to um, start my own business. I had another company that I had purchased a few years before, and I was roasting coffee. I I really wasn't thinking of doing a online like roast order coffee company. I was thinking of uh, doing something completely different, actually. Uh, my wife and I were were planning on opening up a coffee shop. Oh, excuse me, a coffee shop in in uh, Idaho or one of the mountain states, and we had we had kind of gone back and forth on what we wanted to do. Ultimately, what we found was uh, we wanted to try to test the market, or I wanted to try to test the market. Um, I wanted I didn't want to spend you know a couple hundred thousand dollars trying to get a coffee shop and you know, put all the machines and everything in it. Ultimately, I, I wasn't sure if, if really, if we could make it, make it work. So, um, with low barriers of entry, basically, you know, I could build a website and invest a, a, a limited amount of capital into a, you know, the business model, of black rifle copy. I spent about $1,800, um, just buying bags and a few other things initially and, uh, built my own website and. Started trying to sell coffee online. So I I basically started Black Rifle from passions that I had previous, but ultimately to test the market.
2: And um I guess what was what happened when you did that? What was the point at which you thought there's there's something here? What what changed your mind of like testing out the market and thinking I'm gonna go I'm gonna go all in on this?
1: Um it was pretty easy. Uh, I was roasting enough coffee at that time where basically I was, uh, I was roasting enough coffee for a couple of different restaurants and a, and a, a few of my friends. And when I stood up the website and I started making, you know, you, you know making transactions or, you know, selling coffee online, I was like, you know, uh, after my first month, I basically repaid the money that I'd put into the coffee in bags. And I was, I was fairly convinced at that, at the end of the first month of business, that this was going to work.
2: And um, I guess maybe to to set the stage, because I, I want to ask you a ton of questions about this, how would you describe for yeah. a veteran listener, how would you describe Black Rifle Coffee and who you are? And then any also... Um, Metrics that that you might want to put around that in terms of headcount or whatever you're comfortable disclosing, just so they get a sense of yeah, where yeah. you're at currently.
1: Yeah, that's pretty easy. So basically, you know, starting a company with low barriers of entry and basically a business concept. A lot of people, a lot of people say, "I need a full blown business plan." Okay, well. Uh, I'm a military guy, most most people transitioning through, you know, we go through a lot of planning and a lot of training specifically around the planning cycles. And every plan, you know, what we say is like every plan doesn't survive the first contact, right? And so what I tell guys, or at least one one of my favorite things is, yeah, sure, write a five paragraph lap order, but the mission statement of your five paragraph off order can't be wrapped around a tactic. So it has to be a strategic goal in your life, meaning you know I needed economic emancipation from um, the government. so what my mission statement literally was, you know I will become uh, economically emancipated from the government and be able to feed my family specifically um, through an independent or autonomous endeavor. so, you know i wrote out a mission statement and then i put a combination of things that i could do within the the you know within my operations order basically and uh and and so a lot of guys i think they get really consumed with a tactic not you know a ttp uh, tactics techniques and procedures they start really getting into just like okay well you know i have to be this uh, I didn't. I was really just kind of attached to the fact that I wanted to be free from, from the from the USG. And I started really diving into marketing more than anything else, like marketing, branding, and um, then implementing tech, uh, with the ability to say, Okay, well if I can market one of the skills that I have, meaning I was roasting coffee and I was throwing around carbines. That's basically what I or my two my two professional uh, tools that I had in my bag were those two things. And it's like, well, Black Rifle Coffee was built out of those two things. And then ultimately, uh, I started getting a positive uh, ROI from the marketing dollar really early. So I could, I could really look at something and go, okay, if I spend $10, but I'm going to make 20, you know, depending on COGS and a few other things, um, you know, I can, I can actually make a profit. And that profit is acceptable, especially if you're starting to scale. So <clears throat> I started a company in my garage with $1,800. I didn't hire uh, any employees uh, for my first year. So it was just me. Uh, my wife was plugging in uh, but part-time and only for about six months of that first year. So I was doing customer service, grossing and coffee, doing customer service packaging and shipping, uh, doing all my website, basically all my website creative and uh, photography and social media. <clears throat> so I was a one-man show. And people, <clears throat> excuse me, I think a lot of guys were like, well, that seems fairly difficult. And it was. I only slept about four hours a night for the first year I was in business. And I worked nonstop, uh, seven days a week. I had a thermal rest basically in my shop, and then eventually uh, in my office, uh, I made employee, employee, I hired employee number one after my first year, uh, and then when I rounded the corner after my second year, uh, I had 26 employees, and now I have 84 employees, so, uh, and now, you know, I started in a little one-pound roaster in my, in my shop, I've never taken out any debt in this company. that's another that's another big thing. I've never taken on investment capital and I've never taken on any in debt. I run the company completely off its own profit margins. Um, I've been able to scale the company, recruit talent, uh, continue to purchase uh, you know anything and everything that I need to grow the company, but I also can't run the company ashore with you know a bloated debt uh, debt line on the on a p and l, right so it allows me to scale appropriately and not scale kind of out
2: of my own That's so awesome, Evan. I think it's so incredible. and I think um, it can't be overstated how rare in today's TV-hyped startup environment it is to see someone who – I mean, what, what you have done is you have built – a business like it's not like you've built speculation it's not like you brought in investors and sold vaporware like you were just building it brick by brick from the ground up and i love your transparency in that first year of just how you were doing everything and and i can only imagine the fact that for that first year you did absolutely everything that allowed you to to be able to hire and to be able to build a team because you knew what everyone was going to be doing. You knew every last detail of the business, and it put you in a better spot to be able to grow. Um, you know, grow from that point. I think it's it's a really incredible story.
1: Right, and I still do, to be honest with you. When I when I talk to guys in my you know shipping logistics department, uh, I I can beat them up over three cents in a box, and uh, you know I know what. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to buy, you know, 12 tons of cardboard from China, I know plus or minus three cents what that, sh- what that price should be. And, uh, you know, having the ability to kind of look back in the first year of my business and there's nothing that I couldn't tell you about this business, I can tell you like my P&L's like literally down to the month, down to almost a cent for the last two and a half years. And uh, I I think my employees still kind of, like, they're they're in awe just in the fact of how much I know about the business. Um, But that is because I've spent so much time, you know, with my squeeze up, just turning wrenches on this. That's what I say. You know, I'm, I'm turning wrenches on this thing constantly. And I'll spend an hour or two in shipping and receiving, another hour or two in purchasing, I eat my own fulfillment for, um, you know, a year and some change. So just, you know, doing your fulfillment, like packing a box and understanding exactly how you want the product to be displayed. Uh, when the customer receives that box, when it hits their doorstep, the thing that they have to understand from Black Rifle Coffee is literally no detail from my perspective can be overlooked. So, you know, I, I try to drive a pretty detail-oriented ship, and I mean, granted, we miss things, but uh, it's not because it's, it's not because we're not trying. It's because ultimately, you know, when you're when you're sending out a few thousand shipments a, a, a day now, uh, you miss a few things, you know, and it's it's not as precision as I would like it to be because I can't do every box anymore, right? So you kind of have to let go. i can't i can't pack every box anymore and i know that um so you just try to do the best to put your you know dna into the company and hopefully it translates through the through all of it
2: Mm. this is great i know i know so many veterans and active duty members who listen to the show they aspire to start their own company and i love um what you said at the start around the, the mission statement and how, you know, it sounds like you weren't committed to a single idea. And I love that you were committed more to that lifestyle of, of living a financially free life. And I appreciate your, you know, sharing that the $1,800 you initially invested in the company. I'm curious, how how long was it until you were able to start paying yourself a salary?
1: Uh, 14 months. So. Fourteen months, to my first paycheck was to myself was uh two thousand dollars a month and uh you know now and I'll tell you guys you know we'll do over twenty million annual uh this year, and I still only pay myself seventy k um so it's not you know I went from two thousand to four thousand in increments, you know, but ultimately you know two and a half years I've only paid myself for uh, a little over a year now, and I'm still, I'm still building. You know, it's 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 a uh, it's a difficult process. And if you, I always look at it too. Like, the more money you take out of the business, the less it's going to grow. And you know, if I can spend another five thousand dollars on mugs per month, then I'll do it. And if, if I can't, then I can't. So it's it's one of those things where if I can't take too much. And I know a lot of guys. They make they make that mistake really early. I sold two houses. Uh, you know, my wife and I live on like we live on literally less than a two thousand dollar a month budget. Uh, I went from making you know a quarter million dollars a year as a um, you know as a basically a, a high paid contractor for the United States government uh, to making nothing. And, and then for over a year, nothing. So, and I, and like I said, I had sold two houses, a truck, and half my guns, my initial coffee roaster that I had outgrown. I sold all that stuff just to keep going. And my wife, my wife was like ready to, she was ready to kill me. But um, it's definitely worth it. I and mean, now today, as we look around, it's, you know, I've got a 40,000 square foot building. I've got a you know a sixty kilo roaster, uh, all of those things. Like I said, they're paid for, <laughs> which is unheard of, you know.
2: This is incredible. Um, I I want to back up because um you know it it sounds like in your twenty years of service, you know, you had the um whitewater rafting company. You were doing different things that you were learning about business. I'm I'm particularly interested for listeners who are on active duty right now, what were some of the things you did on active duty that in retrospect helped you to, to start black rifle coffee?
1: Uh, well, you know, I was a, I was a special forces guy. So, you know, I was training indigenous soldiers. So I was running budgets, uh, you know, whether that was payroll, uh, you know, every day in mission planning, you know, if you're running a, a small indigenous force, you're running a business. And you know, I started looking at it, going, okay. So, if I can run these, you know, uh, Afghans that have a have a, you know, the rough equivalent of a third grade education, you know, if these guys can, if I can train them to be autonomous within the the base infrastructure. Uh, and then do, you know, unilateral or, you know, uh, multi level kinetic operations. There's a lot of this that translates directly into business. So I started thinking about that really early, where this is like a little small business. And, you know, if you don't run your budget, uh, in, in, a, in a very strict and proficient way, you're, you're really, um, you're, you're really kind of setting yourself up for your own failure. So, you know, that was one of the things, too. I, I kind of had the unique opportunity of, of working with uh, some guys that also had some small businesses. So everybody's kind of getting some small business stuff on the side. My original mentor, he had, he had been a Special Forces guy and then eventually uh, transitioned to, to his own small business. I think I'd always had it in my back of my mind that I was going to be uh, – a business owner. So every part of my service, I was kind of looking at it like, okay, so how does this translate into business? You know, truth leading procedures. How can I translate those into the business world later on? And when I'm done with service, I have to be able to take all these skills that uh, that we've learned and translate those into something that I can monetize. And I knew that. Um, not like. Not in the concept of like, okay, I need to be able to tell all these stories and then you know monetize up my story. That wasn't it. It was how do I take these skills because these are you know very unique skills that a very a small fraction of people ever acquire. You know, military people are are the most driven and and and, and uh, uh, some of the most successful complex problem solvers in the world. So. For us, when I when I look at you know military men, when I look at my service, I would say always look for the opportunity to translate what you're doing now into what you want to do in the future.
2: I think that's such incredible advice. Whether you know a listener is thinking of starting a company or whether they're c- considering going into you know work for a consulting company, I think that that is so great. It's not about those stories. It's about the experience and how they could leverage that in their next career. I think that's a great approach too, just to help um, help people get the most value out of whatever they're doing right now. Just try to find a way to learn and try to find a way to apply that to your future career.
1: Well, and then seek professional development opportunities, not only to to say, okay, well, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys that I was with, they're infantrymen. Um special forces guys, you know, hard combat skills guys. But, you know, professional development within the military seeks some skills that the military can pay for, basically, but they might not be directly translatable to your MOS right now, but how is that going to look in the future? And, you know, I I went to a lot of different schools uh, when I was in And then not only there, but, you know, whether it was at the agency, but I also would come back and take professional development training when I was, when I was home. So that's one of the things I really loved was being able to like, you know, pop in. One of the things I I really, really love is just there's, there's this total access to online, right? So, you know, there's so many different ways that you can learn just online that, you don't necessarily need the United States military. Definitely take that, whatever it is, but you also have the ability to have the United States military pay for all the professional development that you want to do within, you know, a a comprehensive left and right limit. But uh, I mean, I I can't tell you how many courses I've either taken online or come back and and taken, you know, I've, I've sat in universities for like two weeks, just literally going to class in a class that I wasn't paying for, just to look at like macro or microeconomics, just so I could have you know a little bit of fun to listen to somebody else's take on something.
2: That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um, resources you would recommend to listeners, and I'm wondering and i and I love this approach of always seeking professional development. I'm wondering in the last couple of years. Is there any uh, book or class or uh, seminar or anything that you've done that's helped you in entrepreneurship that you would recommend to listeners?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, Coursera is one of those. I don't know if you guys know or you, you've taken a look at that. Coursera is fantastic. It's got an online catalog from a bunch of different universities, uh, you know, from Penn State to Michigan and Stanford, uh, you know, I, I had signed up for some courses through Wharton. Uh, fantastic outlet, and I think from there you've got, like, you've got a lot of access um, just on Coursera. Then you've got Udemy, which is another great online learning. Um, uh, I think it's, you know, it, it, they have a bunch of different courses from specific personalities, so, like, on Google AdWords and things like that. Um, and then, um, Linda is a fantastic resource. Like it's amazing. So anytime, anytime I hit an obstacle, like that's the thing that guys are always asking me, like, how do you figure that out? like, okay, well, the first thing I would do is Google it. The second thing I would do is I would take a course on it. Like, how do you build, how do you build a dashboard, right? How do you build a dashboard that has your key performance indicators based on division? Well, that's something that I didn't, I, there's no way. I can tell you how to do that based on my previous military experience. But what I can do is I can Google, <laughs> you know, key performance indicators and uh courses on how to plug that stuff in as far as like a piece of software, whichever that might be. And it might take you a couple of days. Like you can't be too impatient. Uh I think the best books that I've read in the last several years, uh built to last and good to great are probably my they're they're literally go to. I mean good to great, literally. I've I've either read it, um, I've listened to it on podcasts. So I've like taken notes in the, it in the, in the corners of my books on my book on that. And then I've listened to it probably six times. So um I think that's those are you know, those are some of the, the, the best books that I've read in the last couple couple years. And then uh podcasts, like every Every day that I, I can get in and, and listen to like a half hour on marketing or leadership management um, anything any time I can spend like a half hour just listening to somebody else they might not be the, they might not give you just the, the, the most sage advice at that time but who knows what type of idea that might inspire and what kind of thread you'll end up pulling on the sweater you know what I mean
2: This is great. And for for listeners at beyondtheuniform.io, I'll put in the show notes links to all of this with Coursera, Udemy, Linda, and the the books that Evans uh, recommended as well. Um, What has been the most challenging moment to date in your entrepreneurial journey? Is there like a single moment you can think of that was just really a low point or a most challenging point? Yeah, I mean,
1: when you have 80 people to work for you, you know, you develop personal relationships with people. And sometimes, you know, that what I what I call it is an ecosystem, right? This is an ecosystem and people provide the balance in the ecosystem and, you know, terminating people or repurposing them, um, you know, having really frank discussions with people just in general about work performance, uh, how they fit into the ecosystem. Those are, those are incredibly difficult things to have. And I know that a lot of business owners, they avoid tough discussions with employees. And I know why, because you know, you really want the best. For me, I really want the best for people. Uh, however, some people will never conform to the environment that you're trying to build. And you might love them and appreciate them, and, but there, they might just not be a good professional fit for your ecosystem. And I would say that the, you know, the hardest part about my job is, one, you know, managing people is, is a very difficult task. And then, two, you know, knowing that you like people, you know, they're good people, but they just don't fit into your company, that's difficult. That's a very difficult challenge. Um, because the, the company's ecosystem always has to be in balance. You know, that's, that's kind of my, my two cents, which is, you know, what, there's, there's like an old saying that I've continued to say <laughs> hire slow, fire fast. And that doesn't mean that firing people is going to be any easier. It just means that you have to do it in order to grow the company. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people, it just means that they don't fit into the company's ecosystem.
2: Yeah, that's so spot on. I think it's uh, such a great lesson where it it, it it's not about um, you know I, I sometimes think about it's not even about like whether they're good or bad. I, I like that ecosystem con- concept, and it's it's sometimes I think about it in terms of like you know i've got my leadership strengths and failings and i have to build around that and it doesn't mean the person's good or bad but it's like if they don't fit in with my abilities we're just not going to succeed as a team so i love that ecosystem thought of just you know is this person a good fit for the environment and they could be talented and smart and great but they might not jive with the overall culture you've built and it's it's i imagine it's difficult to tow that line and to draw that line in in the sand, but I can only imagine how much that benefits the rest of your team when you really stick to that and commit to it.
1: Yeah, and I I use that analogy a lot. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but I've used it a lot in the last few months where, you know, a, a redwood grows really well in the redwood forest, and it doesn't grow all that well, you know, in Sonora, right? So just because a guy doesn't doesn't fit in in your company doesn't mean that he's not going to fit in in somebody else's company or or do something on his own. Um, Because each person has different professional attributes. And if they're good people, they're good people wherever they go. It just doesn't, it might not be the great or greatest cultural fit. And I think that's the hardest part for not only employers, but employees is we tend to kind of over exaggerate their, their failures to when you're, when you have people and it might not be a failure on either part. It could be just a failure for, you know, conforming to the environment. And I think that that's such a detrimental part of termination for some managers is they'll take this stance like, okay, well you're done here. So whereas, I try to say, hey, listen, this is not a good fit. How do we make you succeed somewhere else? And they either take it or they leave it. You know what I mean? They either like it or they don't.
2: I I love that too because it, it seems like I'm I'm starting to realize now as well that it's 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 a disservice to that person to try to make it work if it's not the ideal fit for them. And they're, they're smart. They're going to find something that's great. They're going to find something that's ideal for them. And it's almost like preventing them from finding that ideal opportunity by, you know, it sounds, it seems to me like often my pride gets involved. Like I need to make them succeed here, or I have, you know, I, I have an obligation to them. And it's like, if my obligation is truly to what's best for them, it's gonna be them being in their ideal company in their ideal role. And that doesn't mean it has to be with yeah. my company.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. I mean, it's it's a relationship. And, you know, if, now I always say that, that if, you're, if you're a malicious, if you're malicious, now that's totally different, right? Versus like the person that's just not conforming to the environment, you know, that's just, that's an easy fit. It's like, hey, let's, let's try to find you someplace that's more, uh, more appropriate. And I think a lot of guys, they just, they don't get that. It took me a long time to understand that too. Okay. Maybe this person is an awesome, awesome person, but we're just not awesome together. Right. And it's so, it sounds so familiar to like, you know, dating
2: and relationships, right? <laughs> it is. That's Let's awesome. Let's not be codependent. Yeah.
1: Like, better together.
2: What, what has been, you know, we talked about the most challenging moment to date. What has been the most rewarding moment so far?
1: Um, I think the most remor- re-, re I, it's actually not just one. It's not one moment. It's, uh, I, I always tell people like when I, when I was with the government, it was a pleasure to serve. Uh, it, it really was It's was pleasure to serve the, the country, but I got to the point where I, I wasn't really enjoying my, my, my job. Right. I wasn't enjoying my profession. And here, you know, it, right now in my, in my life, like I go from my house, which got, you know, two little girls, like three and a half and, and eight weeks, I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a very loving household and great, great home. And I go to a, a place, you know, my place of work is, you know, 10 minutes away. And it's full of just people that are confident and motivated. And they, they love me, you know, and I love them. So it's like, I don't want to sound too hippie in this, but um, every corner of my life, even though there is stress, I know that there are great people going from my house to my work and nothing in my life doesn't inspire me at this point. Like I'm not like dragging my feet going to something. Right. And I've never really had that. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's like you're always looking up a hill going, okay, I've got this thing to climb. It's very strange to look forward to every day and almost every minute of your life where you never have before, you know? Um, And I think that's probably the the greatest achievement that I've, I've, I've had is just the fact that I've been able to rapidly change my life from a point two and a half years ago, where a good portion of my professional life, I really was just unhappy, I was unfulfilled to now, where every day is a challenge. every day i'm I feel like the people around me are are just fantastic, you know, excellent people. And that is, is, it's so rewarding. I, I, it's really hard for me to explain. It's just so rewarding to know that there's nothing that I don't look forward to in my day, you know?
2: That's awesome. I mean, it comes through, I'm, I'm sure to everyone listening, it comes through just in the, the energy and the voice, voice and the excitement and, it is so awesome to hear about that of of finding something that that comes across more of a as a calling than as a as a profession and something where you just really derive enjoyment and you know I think going back to it's it's very clear that you're committed to lifelong learning and you're you're constantly Googling and Coursering different things to learn and I. I I just have a theory that those two things go together, that part of that fulfillment comes from the team you've built, but I think part of the fulfillment comes that it's clear that every day you are growing and you're learning something new. And I think that leads to a tremendous amount of fulfillment. So I think that's just a great role model for veterans who are listening that you can create a life of fulfillment and you can create a life where you are excited about going home and going to work. And I, I just really applaud you for and, and appreciate how you've um, deliberately created that and, and, and set up this blueprint for other veterans to show them that, you know, if they're committed to that as their mission statement, they can make that work. It may be different than what they set out with. It may be different than they, what they start out with. But um, if they're committed to that, they can find that.
1: Yeah, I think, I, you know, I started with the mission statement of economic emancipation. You know, that was kind of the big goal. But I think everybody has to define what happiness. Everybody's like, you know, that's kind of a millennial thing where they're like, yeah, I want to be happy. And a lot of people think that's an instant gratification type model where <clears throat> happiness to me is, is where, one, I love to work. I love just the, the art of, of business. But I love just rolling up my sleeves and going to work. So happiness, I think, when you when you kind of retract everything back and you say, okay, I'm emancipating myself from government service. Uh, I need to be able to create uh, enough wealth so I'm, you know, I can live my life and become happy, right? Well, a lot of people they say, okay, well, happiness is just through wealth, and I'm like, well, wealth can be a means to an end, but if you're not happy along the way. And I've really kind of talked about this a lot where I'm like, you know what, you have to enjoy the mountain climb, not just the summit, right? You have to enjoy that. And you can't just look back and go, look at the summit of this. If you didn't enjoy the climb, it was all kind of, uh, it it just becomes a lot more laborious. So my true, uh, you know, I guess my true driving force was always to build a team that we're all pursuing the same thing which is happiness and economic emancipation. And we had to have a collective definition and that's how the culture fits in, right? Is you have to have this collective definition and how everybody defines those things will specifically help the company. So if a person defines happiness, for instance, right? If a person defines happiness as being, you know, introverted and not working and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, sitting in their apartment and watching TV, they're probably not going to fit in here. Right. But if they define happiness as having, you know, a big extended family with a lot of opportunity there and, you know, a lot of work, they're going to fit in.
2: Like they're going to fit in just fine. So
1: it's all about how you define the, the big concepts.
2: I'm wondering, you know, you've covered a lot of different things. I'm just wondering for, for that veteran who's listening that aspires to start their own company, to, that who desires to seek that financial freedom through their own enterprise, what other advice do you have for them about how to go about doing that or, or things to keep in mind as they do it?
1: Uh, one more time. Sorry, I uh, missed. You cut out just a second. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if if uh, a veteran is listening and they aspire to start their own company, what advice do you have for them about that?
1: Uh, well, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, you have to, you have to be dedicated to being a, a, a businessman. And even though you serve your country, and, and it's, it's a very admirable thing, the people of America and the United States, they don't owe you anything. And that, I'm not trying to be negative. It's—it's. It's, I get a lot of guys that come through and they're like, you know, I was a Navy SEAL. I was a Green Beret. I was an infantry guy. That doesn't mean a lot other than that you have to be able to translate those things into a new profession. But you really have to concentrate on not what you've done in the past and what people owe you. It's more about what have you done in the past that makes you a great man or woman that you can leverage in order to become better and a more successful business person? And I think the biggest thing that I can offer people is you have to, you have to, you, you have to become humbled at the altar of business because it will devour you. If, if you think that the world owes you something because, you know, you were, you've served your country in the military. It doesn't. Um, It helps because you've got dedication and complex problem solving. But at the end of the day, you still have to roll up your sleeves and make a lot of sacrifices and be more committed to this than anything you've ever done in your life. Uh, The most stress I've been under in my life wasn't in the middle of Mosul in 2008, you know, know, (laughs) being shot at. It was, you know, having you know, a wife and a child at home, knowing that, you know, they have to be fed and and, and knowing that, you know, what I did on a daily basis w- was going to provide a good or, or, or bad life for them. And that's the most stress I've ever had in my life. It's a different type of stress. It's like super constant and very heavy, but uh, I would say you have to dedicate yourself. You have to humiliate, not humiliate, you have to humble yourself and you have to take it on as, as you've never taken on anything else in your life. it, You have to be so committed to it that um, nothing can shake your dedication and you have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best basically.
2: Man, it's such incredible advice. And I I completely relate too, to that, that sense of stress where, you know, I, I was never shot at on, on submarines, but it's it's a completely different level of stress knowing that your family is relying on you and knowing that you have to provide for them. And I, I think also for me identity gets wrapped up around that too because then it becomes like you know your success as a human being is reliant on the success of a company and so there's all of these these mental things that get in the way and, and 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 add up to daily in and out stress and i love what you're saying too about um i i i've heard other guests mention that too is is what they would call like a sense of entitlement to some veterans today. And I, I love that thought of just approaching it as, you know, the world doesn't owe you anything. You're going to have to earn everything that you get. And so don't expect to be given anything because of your service. And, and what you did in the military is incredible. And, and the, the, the nation is grateful. And in the world of business, no one's going to give you anything for that. You still have to fight for and earn whatever you get. Yeah, in some
1: ways you have to fight even harder because people will say well you're a military guy you don't have any formal business training right and you have to be prepared for you have to just be prepared for a fight
2: like it's not it's not going to get into you whatsoever and
1: i i'm glad to hear that other people have identified that too
2: well um you know, I'd love to, to kind of maybe end with what does the next 12 months look like for Black Rifle Coffee? What's the road ahead for you?
1: Uh, it's interesting, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're going to move out of Salt Lake. So we're, we're moving to another state. Um, we're moving the corporate headquarters probably to Colorado Springs, it looks like. And so the next 12 months, we're going to open up uh, five brick and mortar stores uh, around the United States. We're gonna have uh, logistics in a couple different locations. We'll have, we'll have state specific roasters. So we'll have one in Texas, one in California, one in Colorado, one in Utah. Uh, and then we'll have uh, some really big uh, joint projects going with a couple other veteran companies, which I'm really excited about. And uh, I, I think the next 12 months is gonna be really big. Um, we launch our franchise initiative at uh, right about a year and a half from now. So uh, the next 12 months will be a lot of work. We're going to expand quite a bit. And uh, and then the big expansion comes at about 18 to 24 months from, well, September next month. Uh, that's the big
2: expansion. So I'm really, we're just preparing for that. This is awesome. Well, Evan, I appreciate all the advice you've shared with the community. For listeners, you'll find more info at the show notes, but you'll also find Evan at blackriflecoffee.com. You can order their coffee, their coffee mugs, and all sorts of different things on their website. Um, And we look forward to seeing the continued growth of your company and this this exciting expansion ahead, Evan.
1: Man, I appreciate the opportunity to speak. And Definitely reach out, you guys, if you need anything. Because uh, I answer all the emails. So if you hit us up at info at Black Rifle Coffee, it'll go, they'll forward everything to me. And then you can get me up on uh, LinkedIn too if you have any questions. Surface, surface, surface.
2: Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hant. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career and life.